A very warm welcome to all my listeners. This is Veronica and I am your host for Insider's Talk. On Insider's Talk, you will get to hear stories from entrepreneurs, how their journey started, how they ended up doing their ventures, how they uh, helped their ventures to grow and scale over a period of time, how was their employment process and what they think about the employment trends that are happening nowadays in the startup industry and also a few tips and tricks that they are sharing based on their personal learnings with the entrepreneur. So this insider's talk will give you an insight on their mindset, will give you an insight on their ventures and hopefully is going to inspire many aspiring entrepreneurs there. If you are stuck, if you want to hear stories where people have scaled and grown, if you want to hear stories where people have found solutions that is helping the society, if you want to hear stories where people have identified the gaps and are trying to fill them in their respective sectors of interest, then Insider's Talk is the place to be. I am more than happy to have you here with me and let's dive in for our interview. So I have with me today Mr. Vineet Tyagi. He's the global CTO and country head of Biz2x which is a global SaaS platform that enables financial institutions to provide a customized online lending experience for their small and mid-sized business customers. Uh, welcome, Mr. Vineet, and thank you for uh, sharing your time with me, and uh, hopefully we'll have a fabulous interview together. Yeah, thank you, Veronica, for having me, and um, you know, to thank you, a big thank you for all your listeners. To listening to us. So uh, let's start with the first segment. So um, I want the listeners to know more about Vineet Tyagi before we get into Biz2x. So if you could share with our listeners, you know, like your uh, educational background and your uh, journey or professional journey before you joined Biz2x. Absolutely. It's a long journey. So this is my 27th year in the industry, in the IT industry. So I'm a uh, engineer, uh, Bachelor of Engineering graduate from uh, what is known, now known as NSIT, used to be DIT, Delhi Institute of Technology, uh, 95 pass out in Bachelor of Engineering with computer major. Uh, post that, I've been uh, in the IT industry from the earlier days, mostly focused on developing uh, products and applications that were at you know the relevant points in time, uh, causing business disruptions and adding business value to a variety of businesses. Uh, I worked uh, across the you know years with companies uh, like Key Consulting, uh, then with Computer Sciences Corporation. I spent a fair amount of time, about twelve years, with uh, Impetus. Then for the last four years, I've been with Biz2x, uh, helping shape up the future of uh, what digital online lending uh, can be. Uh, in terms of uh, you know additional things that I have picked up, so while I was working, I was very curious about the uh, business of technology. If you look at technology alone from, from the sake of a technology perspective and just from a technologist viewpoint, you're missing out a fairly valuable aspect of uh, you know how technologies enable businesses, how technologies are creating newer businesses. So on the way, I was very curious about all of this. So I picked up a master's in consulting uh, from Bits Pilani as well. Um, so that's been my journey and a little bit about my educational background. That's great. So uh, like you said, you know, you joined uh, Biz2x uh, Biz around four years back? That is correct, Veronica, four years, yeah. So what was your first uh, aha moment uh, after you joined Biz2x? Uh, not one many. I think I 
if I don't have aha moments, I'm actively seeking them out. But if I were to say, you know, when I joined Biz2x and Biz2credit, what, what was the aha moment or what made me join was the opportunity of the transformation. So, you know, with COVID, digital transformation has accelerated across the banking and financial uh, sector. Uh, but I saw that, uh, you know, opportunity for digital transformation, you know, uh, being there four or five years ago. And uh, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be architecting that. I wanted to be creating that in some way and contributing it to a very large level. So that was my aha moment when I said that, you know, this thing is fairly big. It, it's not just about the billions of dollars worth of interventions you can cause. Actually, we're at the cusp of uh, really shaping the banking industry uh, in general. Uh, you know, banking, as we know today, is undergoing a transformation. And over the next five, 10 years, banking would not be what we know it to be. Um, you know, so it will be more open banking and beyond banking kind of use cases. And it is all technology enabled. Uh, you know, so that was my aha moment, if I were to say that. It's a once in a lifetime trillion dollars of opportunity. So I want to be a part of creating that. Great. So, so you want to be a part of uh, probably, you know, something that is solving a big problem in the banking sector right now. Yes, absolutely. That's great. So um, I know the job is quite demanding because uh, banking sector is it's, it's, it's quite a demanding sector. Now, I have also like, you know, uh, I also know that you do find time uh, to have certain activities which contribute, give a valuable contribution to the industry. So can you share uh, with us? Absolutely. I think, uh, see, the thing is, I don't consider, you know, my employment to be a job. I, I, I consider it to be my passion. Like I mentioned that, you know, in my aha moment, it was the opportunity that is exciting to me. Uh, and once uh, your passion becomes your job, at least to me, from personal experience, if if you endeavor to make that, I think working hard is uh, is is given, and it's not tiring. It becomes enjoyable for me. The second aspect of that is I love uh, talking to people. I love contributing back. Um, you know what I have learned, and it it kind of stems from one very simple fact, which was another again aha moment, a very simple one. But uh, many many years ago, you know, I read somewhere that if you share material things, they get halved. So if I have two uh, coins, I share one with Veronica and one, you know, that I'll have one coin, Veronica will have one coin. So I'll be left with just one coin and half of my wealth. But if you share knowledge, then Veronica will have the same knowledge and I will have the same knowledge. So in effect, I have somehow contributed in doubling the knowledge which was there. So that was my aha moment. And I said that shaping it, contributing it back and let others gain from it, if I can make that easier, that is very fulfilling for me. So what I had to do was, uh, you know, I had to make sure that I'm finding time and making time, making this my passion to contribute back uh, to the industry. Some of the things I do is I mentor startups. Uh, I meet, uh, I contribute to NASCOM, which is the trade body in India, as you know, of the IT and mm -hmm. IT and, uh, you know, these are some of the things I do. And I really loved, uh, I mean, I, I, I seriously, if, if the video was on, you could see me writing and noting it down when you talked about, you know, when you share material things, it gets halved. And when you share knowledge with people, it multiplies, basically. 
so uh, that that was amazing uh, to hear so uh, now our listeners would be really uh, keen on knowing about your personal life as well so what are the passions that you really pursue other than obviously working uh, with biz2x one of our lifelong passion for me is learning so i read a lot and uh, i read indiscriminately so on any topic so i can't go to sleep unless i've not learned something that i didn't know earlier so that's something that keeps me curious that keeps me going and uh, among other passions uh, i love adventure sports i don't indulge in them uh, that much uh, right now because of covid situation and everything i do mm-hmm. love trekking I haven't been on a trek because again because of the covid situation for a while but being in the nature in the solitude helps me you know kind of think and you know rejuvenate as well i love the nature i love treks uh, one of the other passions then is that i still am very hands on and passionate about technology so i like to tinker around with tech and uh, build things Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. So, can you share a good read, you know, for our listeners? I mean, what are you currently reading, or anything that you really want uh, uh, to, you know, just suggest? Absolutely, absolutely. Although I I cannot guarantee you that your uh, our listeners will be very enthusiastic uh, with my choice, but. like i said i read without any discrimination so my current read list is a book called panipat uh, it's by uh, author called vishwas patel and it's not a uh, it's a little fictionalized account of the third but third battle of panipat and you know the maratha confederacy uh, lost to the afghan king but i am reading it uh, for the uh, purpose of getting an insight into human and social behaviors as well as how uh, you know numerical strength doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you you will you know win the endeavor that you're undergoing it's a longish read but you know it tells me a lot the second book uh, which might be of uh, you know huge interest for everyone is again uh, you know a book i'm reading that's called the trillion dollar coach it's about a person called bill campbell bill was a coach to both steve jobs and the google founders and uh, he was actually a football coach and then he moved into a corporate job he was into sales um, he achieved a lot of success and his uh, only claim to fame was that he learned to give away his secrets very openly so literally open sourcing his secret of success in making people around him successful was his passion so it's about this uh, you know uh, about bill the gentleman his ways what motivated him and how through even adversity he powered through his passion of giving and enriching others and it's uh, written by eric schmidt and uh, several other people so really an interesting read i would encourage everyone i have definitely noted it down uh, even i i like books but when it comes to books like you know how do i say self help or motivational it is something which was never <laughs> my genre but slowly even i am getting into it but definitely panipat is something which i would definitely give a go and i am yes, i'm really i would encourage you read through the trillion dollar coach as well because it's not a self help book or a motivational <laughs> book it's really about bill and for bill you know the person while reading through his story you can find relevance in various it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be like bill uh-huh. but there are aspects that you can pick like realistic you mean to say i mean you can yeah. relate few things yeah. oh then definitely it's on my list <laughs> i'll be hitting amazon with these two books today so um now that we have a fair idea of you know how passionate uh, first of all i understood that you are a very avid reader uh, you love sports you love adventure obviously 
you are a techie guy so technology is something that you are really into and the other thing is that you love to contribute back to the industry in some form or the other by sharing your knowledge and making sure that you know your knowledge is getting there out there now let's get on to our next segment and you know talk about biz2x so if you could just share some light about the company what its specialization is and what are the different services it offers in banking sector absolutely so the journey of biz2x actually started with the journey of biz2credit the parent for biz2x and biz2credit was founded in the uh, in a recession and our founders believe that uh, recession is a great time to build new businesses because new opportunities open up it's not necessarily uh, you know uh, in, in in a space of destruction and devastation it's actually a space for creation it's also said that wars lead to great progress both technologically socially as well as uh, economically so out of uh, that uh, you know best to credit came to forth and uh, the whole idea of best to credit way back in 2011 when we decided to be a lender was to be an online lender see back 10 years digital was not a word that was well recognized so to be an online lender we made some certain choices that uh, we'll have a centralized back office we're not going to have a lot of bank uh, branches in fact no branches we're not going to have feet on the street because we're centralized back office But necessarily everything had to be done online and digitally literally paved the way for a cloud enabled lender which was if you were to call it now a digital only lender and that was 10 years back so that was very innovative and ahead of its time and uh, you know the technology that we created for best to credit business has been uh, phenomenal because that's allowed best to credit to be a lender in us that has cumulatively lent close to 8 billion dollars and that's the and i said billion not billion so 8 billion dollars and uh, we have done that over you know many years but we've done that with very minimal team today our teams are no no more than 350 people mm-hmm. and a large part of that is technology not operations so we've been successful in creating uh, you know a digital only kind of ecosystem where uh, we partner heavily uh, we partner and our systems are open they run on the cloud we use a lot of apis to integrate share data with our partners uh, we originate customers digitally we take their applications digitally we do credit assessment uh, loan fulfillment loan servicing collections all digitally so uh, that technology uh, you know we started offering as a white label saas solution uh, to other banking financial institutions as well and uh, that is that offering uh, today is called biz2x it's a kind of a lending in a box solution mm-hmm. uh, that contains what is called the los the loan originating system we have our own scorecards we have lots of data on you know, small businesses so we created a scorecard that allows us to use alternative credit data and uh, you know connect to you know various open formats of data and allow tremendous unit economics while doing lending so you know one of the things with uh, a lot of banks is that you know they can't do a lot of small loans because of their back office cost the cost being higher so you can't service the smaller needs of small customers because it's not economical for you you're not going to make money so our tech uh, that we have built uses a lot of ai ml and you know algorithms to enable uh unit economics for even smaller loans 
And that's the service Biz2x offers, a platform for doing lending in a box, any financial institution could use it. We have customers in Canada, we have banks and customers in US, we have customers in India, and we have customers in Australia. So more than 30 plus large global banks are using our solutions today. So um, I was amazed, you know, because normally what happens is, uh, at least what happened at that time was when recession hit, people uh, people were like, you know, oh my God, what, what are we going to do right now? But what you shared is a completely different story. And it's it's quite inspiring. So like, you know, even when the times are tough, but you have that willpower or, you know, kind of in passion to solve a problem, I guess it doesn't matter whether there is a low or a high in the market. It's the fact that you want to do something. Absolutely. And I'd like to reiterate that recessions are actually a great time to start a new business for all our listeners who have ideas and who have Uh thoughts. It's Uh a great opportunity to start a business. How intelligent uh, automation can drive digital transformation across financial institutions? So um, like I kind of touched upon in my last answer, uh, mm-hmm. We've been successful that, uh, you know, one of the reasons we've been successful is that having the ability to intelligently automate allows you to uh, do a lot more uh, kind of, uh, you know, servicing. So it allows you to broaden your reach. It allows you to be more efficient and it allows you to serve the underserved. So because of this intelligent automation, one example in the Indian context is the UPI. Now earlier, because, you know, efficiency of credit cards and the whole ecosystem and the pricing was not amenable for it to be used for a 50 rupees transaction or a 10 rupees or 100 rupees transaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And digital transformation has brought in UPI where you can even do 5 rupees, 10 rupees or, you know, 50 rupee transactions uh, digitally now. So uh, the unit technology Economics is what, you know, I was referring to. So unit economics is what, you know, comes down the efficiency, cost efficiency of the systems uh, becomes better. So digital transformation from a financial institution perspective is driving efficiency in every process. And when you drive efficiency, you can, you know, have better unit economics. And, you know, banks at the end of the day have to make money, right? Uh, You know, governments are in the business of social welfare. A, uh, you know, a bank unless is set up for that purpose, even if it's a, a non-profit bank or a non-profit financial institution has to be cost efficient. So cost efficiency is what the major benefit is. Now, I'm quite aware that, you know, the lending process of any conventional bank comes with a heavy paperwork, right? So there's a lot of time uh, invested in it and it becomes quite expensive as well. So how Biz2x platform is helping banks to streamline that process and make it more efficient uh, through the SaaS-based model. It's a good question. So, um, see, in a conventional model, as you said, it's all paperwork heavy, right. paperwork uh, dependent. Um, you talk about India, digital India. You know, you actually don't need paper uh, today, and that's even for the regular consumer. It's not just for the tech-savvy people you know, who have access to gadgets or who have access to expensive technology. This, uh, you know, uh, digitization is highly democratized in India. Uh, look at DigiLocker. I don't know if you use that or not, but our listeners in India should definitely you know, download use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It allows you to store all your important documents, your PAN card, your Aadhaar card, your driving license, or, you know, vehicles, you know, RC, and all sorts of other documents in one place. And they are on your mobile and they are acceptable as original on your mobile. So you can get into an airport showing your other card on the phone. 
you don't have to carry your aadhar card necessarily cop forbid stops you and ask you for your vehicle papers you can show them the same on your phone and that will be seen as you know accurate and verified now the paperwork processes in the digital ecosystem so what bistuex has done is that it's cut short this process where if you can reach into a digital document it's a verified data source so instead of taking a paper copy of a pan and trying to authenticate it and say this pan is valid or not we have cut short that process and done that through any so you can just punch in your pan number and we can find out it's valid or not whether it's in your name or not it happens instant so there is time efficiency there is cost efficiency so you don't have to invest in putting people at work you don't have to collect paperwork you don't have to spend money on validating that information now if i were to you know tales of it but if i were to map out the whole lending process in the various stages of paperwork and files which are there just imagine the amount of uh, cost and efficiency we are bringing and the more important thing is the turnaround time so we can actually bring the uh, customer experience of instant decisioning like imagine a small business owner who needs to have a loan because he has to pay his worker's salary tomorrow he can't wait one week for the bank to tell him if he can get a loan or not he needs to know it today because he has to pay his workers tomorrow so imagine if he can put in an application and instantly get to know that yes you will get this loan he gets the comfort and his workers get the comfort that they will get paid tomorrow so that's what we are doing and that's how we are that's a blessing i would say <laughs> definitely a blessing because obviously you are uh, helping them to you know get make quick decisions and you know i think lending uh, for small businesses would have been a problem if bis2x was not there but with bis2x i guess that gap or that issue is getting resolved to a certain extent yes that's exactly what uh, peronica you kind of put it on spot spot on that's exactly the problem we are solving and we want all the banks to help us solve that problem for them banks should be open for this i truly believe that so now like, like you initially said right that there's a lot of uh, shift and everything is becoming digital now right digital india is the new india uh, in this era so what measures is uh, bis2x taking to boost this drive in the banking sector see there are several um, as we speak um, you know technology is still working to solve a lot of problems Um, you know and those problems are of a variety of nature so before i have to fund somebody uh, i have to underwrite them and there are a variety of problems uh, you know i have to predict or literally predict that giving a loan to a certain business or a certain person will it result in a default a post loan you know defaults can happen now how do we differentiate between an intentional default meaning somebody being fraudulent i want to name names but there are multiple examples of people who just scammed and ran fraud so uh, intentional fraud and a small business owner who possibly is run into hard times and he has no intent to default but because maybe his business is suffering due to where to seasonality so he's not intentionally going to fraud you but maybe he needs some support to recover his business and then he has all the intention to pay back his dues and all of that so really the bigger challenge is that you know how do you keep monitoring and you know figuring out whether somebody has an intention to fraud or not and that intentionality is part art and part science and still not 100% i would say digitally predictable but we are working hard to make sure that you know we can model and you know 
predict behaviors of people uh, using AI and machine learning as accurately as possible. One other example I can give you about would be about the openness uh, or open banking, as we call it, right? Banking traditionally has been an inward looking thing. I am a bank's customer, bank has my data and banks control that. So my choice is limited to whatever the bank has. While if you look at it now, the consumer behavior across all segments, uh, there is a lot of mobile savviness, a lot of uh, Gen X, Gen, Gen Y and Gen Z users who have come who are very mobile savvy and everybody loves the power of choice. They would like to choose. When you want to make a purchase, you choose. You really don't go with a brand. Anymore. There are certain brands, obviously, but brand loyalty is limited in certain sense. And people love the power of choice. So the power of choice also means that when you're buying financial products, whether it's a loan or opening an account or saving investments, whatever, people want to look at choices. So they are not going to be limited to a bank now. Banks have to transform themselves into an open model where they actually can control their customers by giving them choices, which may not be coming from them. But since you're a customer of a bank, you can get those choices. Right. And that would mean that banks have to become more open banking enabled and partner more with fintechs and other banks and other places. So I would say that's another you know big area that Biz2x is solving by providing the ability to have APIs, by providing the ability to have open integration, data exchanges while remaining secure and while remaining customer. Banking security is one thing which is, uh, I think, regarded the highest, right? Because you don't want to lose information for n number of reasons. Right. That's great. That's great. So it, I, I believe it is. it has given us a fair idea of what Biz2x is doing. And it is uh, like, from my point of view, it is quite commendable because it is helping out the small businesses as well to, you know, do whatever it takes rather than sitting and, you know, filing papers and trying to get bank, bank approvals. So it is, it's saving a lot of time and putting them into action whenever they want to. So, so it's, it's quite great and supportive way of, uh, you know, booming the Indian industry, I would say. So um, let's let's talk about uh, opportunities. Now that's the segment, the next segment of our interview. So I, I believe you've worked in MNC as well? Yes, I mean, even Biz2x, if you look at it, it's a multinational mm-hmm. corporation. We are right. headquartered out of New York. Uh, our headquarters are in New York and we are a global company uh, as well. Prior to that, I was working with Impetus, which is uh, again a US headquartered company. And Computer Sciences Corporation and Keen, which were again MNCs, yes. Any shift in the employment uh, hiring, uh, like any new trends that you have seen over the period of time that you have worked professionally? Uh, I would say, you know, the biggest shift, at least, which is relevant for our, you know, Indian market and Indian IT uh, listeners would be that earlier India used to be a cost arbitrage kind of opportunity, like cheaper uh, you know, there was a cost difference. So mm-hmm. having in programmers and development teams in India was cheaper. Uh, that cost differentiation is steadily getting eroded. Uh, you know, in a good way, bad way, I mean, there are pros and cons of both things. So one of the shifts that happened is that increasingly there is going to be, you know, value arbitrage going to be uh, coming into play. So companies which can provide higher value uh, mm-hmm. for a given cost will obviously be more successful. And I think that's what, uh, you know, both companies and, uh, you know, people who 
who are seeking employment have to really understand that if as an IT industry uh, collectively and individually we are able to provide more value for the given cost, uh, we are we will continue to succeed and power you know the IT industry for many many decades to come for the whole world as we do today. So that's one shift. The other is there is a lot more product and startup uh, ecosystem that has come up which was not there earlier. Earlier it was more uh, predominantly IT services and uh, you know, back offices which were there. There's a very healthy startup ecosystem, employment in startups uh, for young people and all sorts of people, technical people, product managers, etc. And uh, the other shift I would say is that there are several disciplines which have come up which didn't exist earlier, like data scientists, product managers, uh, which are providing newer opportunities for a wide uh, set of people and a wider set of interests and passions. So... Uh, when you are uh, hiring new employees now, um, because there is a new, uh, I, I see a lot of people talk about attitude while hiring. What do you exactly look into a person that you want to hire for your team? Um, that's a million dollar question and I wish I can <laughs> answer no, that. Like, uh, you know, your focus, what are the main, th- if you can just tell us, you know, three focus points that you really, you know, uh, put stress on while, while uh, trying to uh, understand the person that you're going to hire right right now we can i can definitely share what we are focusing on finding out uh, mm-hmm. and looking for mm-hmm. but again it's a million dollar question exactly know how we find that and what we should look for but what we are really really looking for is experience uh, you know in in a proven track record of success uh, hunger for learning because sometimes for the lack of opportunity or the lack of uh, just the accessibility sometimes or lack of awareness, you, you may not have made the right choices, right? So, right? You know, so that hunger for learning and, you know, the experiential, you know, results that you, at least for lateral hiring at mid-senior level, that's more important. If you're a younger employee or straight out of college, we're looking for people who are, you know, go-getters, uh, who can take the ownership of their work. And that's a very important trait, um, you know, that uh, goes uh, for people, you know, really, really people who stand out in my experience in the last 27 years, taking a lot of ownership about their careers and themselves. They tend to do much better uh, in their jobs uh, as well. So that's three, four focus areas we look for. Okay, that's great. That's great. Ownership is a key point of any person who is a younger uh, employee who's looking out for opportunities. You need to own up to whatever tasks or projects that are given up to you. So, um, you know, uh, in a growing business like yours, right, uh, you're hiring uh, a lot of talent and you are training them as well, right, based on your uh, opportunities or based on the project requirements, so how hard it is to retain those trained employees because you're investing in them, right? So is there anything uh, that as in a company, any policies that you're following to ensure that, you know, the employees that you're training are also retained uh, for a period of time? Yes, that's uh, again a very good question. And um, again, I think while a booming economy and a booming job market, especially with digital transformation, always creates more opportunities and, uh, you know, for for people there's going to be naturally an you know increase in the attrition which we understand uh, but i think the important part of it is our commitment to the employees and mm-hmm. 
and that commitment has to be fairness and transparency at the core of every policy we have to ensure and we try to endeavor and ensure all our policies are fair and transparent um these are at a human perspective if you are not able to you know put across to people that the policy administration and the policy is designed to be fair it's not designed to pull you it's trying to make your lives richer better you know it creates a better commitment you know right. that's number one number two in terms of benefits uh, we make sure that we are continuously enhancing the benefits one example is as the covid uh, situation hit us uh, we did realize while we were giving a healthy health coverage for our uh, you know employees and their families of uh, 3 lakhs uh, you know blanket every year to cover any major illnesses that come up we realized with covid there is a certain anxiety everybody is now having how is that going to be working out one of the steps we took was to enhance that coverage to uh, 5 lakhs for them and their family mm-hmm. so we increase that benefit we we also provide uh, younger people and especially people in the middle age are not very careful about insurance and everything and you know we wish every, you know all our employees and all the world that you know wish nobody ever goes through hardship of any kind but uh, things happen so to keep it real you know we have also increased our you know we give term insurances life insurances of up to 2 crores to our employees that is paid by the company we give uh, personal accident insurance up to you know uh, 50 lakhs which is also paid by the company we have a generous uh, paid time policy we have a generous uh, policy of helping and supporting customers to work from home so many of these things uh, you know were there um, based on our business performance and you know it was kind of we anticipated the third wave in some sense we know though that you know when you know such things happen money does tend to bring one level of comfort to know that you know if you are hit with your cash flow situation you have money in the bank to tide over it we gave out uh, you know cash bonuses and march salary to people to make sure that they have some extra money in the bank to you know tide over the difficult times and so on and so forth and then you know continuously engaging the employees Uh, making sure we are listening to them uh, i continually do a ask me anything session with my employees where irrespective of the grade no bureaucracy no hierarchy they can ask me anything any question and uh, as difficult or might be and uh, with all fairness and transparency i try to address all those questions so engagement fairness transparency benefit increases uh, and taking appropriate steps to help them as situation emerge is a part of the commitment that we continually show to our employees and majority of the employees appreciate that and have shown their commitment back to us continue to be a part of this flex group it really gives the employee that you know the company is also thinking about uh, them and the plus point is obviously the uh the meeting that you host that ask me anything so that's the icing on the cake i would say that you provide for all the employees in your sector now um i'm sure like you know with covid there would have been challenges because now it was all work from home environment probably the seniors or mid level would be able to still do it how did you manage uh this work from home environment uh, for the youngsters i would say so uh actually if i were to tell you that this was not a problem for us you might not believe me but uh, see we've been in the digital transformation world 
there were certain decisions which we had already taken as a part of our regular way of working. So we had a work from home policy. Even of course, it was not 100%. You know, it was limited to a certain number of days that you can quest for and work from home. All of our employees, uh, you know, uh, about I would say 98% of our employees already had laptops. So we never gave them desktops. We had started replacing desktops with laptops since 2018. So having a machine and ability to work from home. So we started uh, reimbursing them for their broadband. Uh, and most of our IT systems are in the cloud. So our email servers, our development servers are on Amazon. Our email servers and office infrastructure is hosted on the cloud by Microsoft. Um, so all of our IT systems and etc. were fairly robust and fairly well thought of. Uh, you know, we had teams for collaboration. We had uh, you know internal Slack and Yammer-like systems and OneDrive for sharing data. So everything was in place. So for us, it was just like one of the days we RHR said that the COVID pandemic is increasing and the government is going to declare a shutdown. So we just, instead of coming to office, started working from home. Yeah, but then, you know, work from home, it, it, uh, over a period of time, it does look, you feel good because obviously you're sitting at home and you're working. But over a period of time, there is a certain kind of an isolation that comes with it. Because you're all alone on your desk. I mean, you look left, right. You don't see your peers or your, you know, friends around you. So how how have you managed to keep that morale up uh, for the company? That's a very good point, Veronica. I'm sure all of us can remember the first days of working from home. Everybody yeah. was posting uh, the blue skies and the pictures sitting and working from the back. <laughs> Right. Of creative positions and whatnot. Such a level of, uh, you know, joy that it brought to all of us. But, you know, you rightly pointed out it has brought some level of, you know, darkness to the whole thing, especially it's elongated to almost one and a half years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, up first few months, I'm, I think we just focused on making sure as a team we are working and more productive. And then we also started realizing this, that, you know, we have to replace this sense of interaction uh, that we are missing out on. So virtual engagement was a focus area for us. Uh, we have a variety of uh, uh, employee committees where employees are themselves uh, you know looking at uh, things and you know creating own events and you know things so they created virtual yoga events virtual antakshari virtual you know working sessions with our team and whatnot so over a period of time i think we've had these virtual uh, you know engagements that have come up uh, that given the disengagement from the office which was forced upon us but we were trying to make the best of get staying engaged while being virtual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, that's great that's great so um let's move on to our next segment a little bit lighter after we had all the tech talk and the all about uh, the employment so let's let's go a little bit lighter on our last segment so what's your favorite part uh, or aspect Vineet, of being a part of uh, biz2x many favorites but if i were to say um you know, what is my most favorite? I think I love the opportunity of working with a young team. Uh, we have a very young team, a lot of young people. And working with a young team and creating a, a piece of history, that's I would say. Wow, well said. So um, I believe uh, every every business or every uh, any kind of a sector comes with a set of myths 
right? Where uh, people believe uh, this cannot happen, but actually it does. So is there any kind of a myth when it comes to fintech? There are multiple myths in variety of contexts. If you were to look at um, the myths are that, you know, if you look at from a tech perspective, the myth is that AI is going to replace human beings and then it's going to take away all the jobs. Yeah. And- right. Are not going to be machines are going to decide loans and <laughs> are going to take calls and whatnot. That's a myth, and I think uh, change always uh, brings in a lot of uncertainty and scared scaredness of all of this. When we transition from horses and wagons to motor cars, I, I'm sure the same sort of anxiety was there. Um, you know what what will happen is that newer types of opportunities come up and newer type of skill areas open up. Uh, so that's a big myth for, at least I like to believe that's a myth. I, it's not a reality. There are certain kind of things that are more routine and automatable and AI is likely going to do that much better. It's mm-hmm. going to help us only in, in one way if it's doing much better. It's not doing it for a some kind of uh, hidden artificial intelligence perspective. It's going to only for, for, for the perspective of bettering it for humans. Uh, another the second myth is about, uh, you know, that India is not digital enough and some of the evolved economies or developed countries are more digital and you can't do digital only. Like, uh, SMEs, users are not savvy enough and all that. That's a very big myth. Like, you know, I would like to tell our listeners that India is more digitally savvy and we have done a digital leapfrog over the developed countries like we did for mobile phones. Never went into credit cards, but UPI is something that is a digital payment leapfrog. US doesn't have a UPI-like capability. I read that recently Singapore and you know Bhutan are going to be now using the UPI infrastructure to accept payments as well. So it's going global. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of digital data that allows us to do you, you know, kind of things in lending through GST data, through bank, that is just not possible in even developed countries. So that's, again, a very big myth. India is a very, I think India is at a cusp of a digital revolution. That's true. I, I agree with you 100% with how uh, we have able to, I think uh, it is commendable how we have able to manage the COVID situation over the years where I truly believe that, you know, globally they would be thinking that India wouldn't be able to cope up but I think we've done better than any other country in the world. Now, um, these COVID times have brought, brought in more of, I think, uh, professional working hours because you're, you're, you're at home, right? So there is no way of you know, just getting up for a cup of uh, tea and chit-chatting with your peers or, or doing something uh, fun with your peers because you're just you're right there. So you know, how, how do you have that work-life balance right now in this situation? Uh- so this much, uh, our listeners and you must know that I'm a very <laughs> different than the normal person. So uh-huh. I actually don't believe in a work-life balance. And with that, I don't intend to say that, you know, work-life balance doesn't exist for me or whatever. I value my work, I value my life, I value them together. So I actually believe in a very different thing. I believe in a work-life uh, lending. Oh, okay. I don't believe in a work-life uh, balance. Because see, balance is about two, two parts of a scale. Right. If you're if you give more to your work, then your life is going to be more to your life, then your work is going to be lesser. Very difficult to create that balance because in reality, 
that's not how it works some point in times your life may demand more from you and some points in life your work may demand so i actually believe in work life blending and if i have to give my time to uh, something that demands my time at midnight for work i do that personal life requires me take some time off at 2 pm i'll do that make sure that my work can support me as well i've never heard that that's something extremely new that i've learned today i i'll definitely think about it so lastly all right so what are the three things or three advices you want to give for a person who would want to start uh, start working in a fintech or basically you know uh, who's looking to be an aspiring entrepreneur in a fintech journey so what are the three advices that you would like to give them number one never be shy of thinking big i think uh, we are all taught to be realistic and blue sky pol you know is not you know think and you have to keep it real and solve a real problem and all of that i do understand all of that but great innovations come from you know thinking very big if somebody would have looked at the practical challenges of not going to the moon there are still so many that will tell you why you should go to the moon mandate go to the moon now it's there's a question what will you get out of it sure that question will get answered soon uh, but uh, think big number one i would say think big don't let your dreams dreams get stifled alone uh, if you're start, starting something new uh, number two i would tell them that uh, don't shy away from hard work don't shy away from failure failures actually teach you a lot more than success if you've just been successful in your first try then you've not learned you cannot handle uh, a startup you cannot handle success with failure you will learn to handle success as well and i seek out failures more than i seek out success as well where we have failed actually have taught me much more than my successes have taught me the successes only give us emotional highs which are also needed and very welcome but uh, from a learning perspective it's the failures that teach us way more so let's not i would say let's not just feel down and out and give up when we, we look at failures keep going i'm sure you know we'll be successful on that lovely note i would like to end the interview here and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you vinit and i personally got to learn a lot of things which i hope i can implement in my own life as well and it was extremely lovely talking to you same here veronica and uh, thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts uh, with you and your listeners so that's all from me today i hope you enjoyed the interview and had some valuable lessons to take in with you and the stories inspired you and you found it interesting i would be coming with more new stories in the coming week every week every monday you will get to hear from me from a new entrepreneur their stories about their brands about their insights on employment and few tips and tricks to get into entrepreneurship stay tuned stay safe and enjoy your life